0: The housing crisis very much uh, dominating the whole political agenda in recent weeks. And we're all seeing and hearing regular updates in relation to how many people are becoming homeless and indeed how many people are becoming at risk of being homeless. Well... It's only perhaps when you learn about the people that's behind the statistics here and the families that are being impacted that it really hits home. And that's hopefully what the next interview is going to give you an idea of. We're going to say good morning to Emma, who's from the county of Donegal. She's a parent of four children. Um, Some of the children also have special needs and she now joins us on the programme. Good morning, Emma.
1: Good morning.
0: And thank you very much indeed for coming on to the programme, I know this is a difficult time for you and indeed for so many other people like you. As we mentioned from on the outset here, um, some of your children have special needs and you are currently living with your parents in a 4 bedroomed house. You've been on a housing list for a number of years. Obviously you would have unique Needs and needs for special accommodation needs for your family, yeah. and I presume the challenges that you are facing in securing a suitable property in the current environment must be absolutely huge.
1: It's not the problem securing a property, we just can't. <laughs> um, we've tried. I mean, I'm I'm driven in this house with my parents five years. Um, I was originally in a house that had a bed and so I wasn't on the council list, it was a private rented house. It was going to be long-term um, and we, we could manage. Um, but then the landlords, they, they emigrated and and then they they weren't coming back. So they decided to sell the property. And, you know, we were given notice and then trying to find something and, and we couldn't find anything. And my parents were moving into this rented house that we're in now. And, I mean, if we hadn't have gone along with them, like, I, I don't know what would have happened, to be honest. Um, it was very good. My parents are in their mid-sixties to say, "Come along, you know." In the short term, do you find something? It's fine. Then the short term's turned into five years. Um, I tried to find anything that we find is two-story, um, and we've tried, and it's just impossible. It really is because, yeah, I see, and it's important to say this. I see a lot of, you know, we've had an awful lot of support. When when we when when the story came out, but you also get the people that say, you know, ah, she probably just wants a big house with a big garden provided for her. But they don't know anything about my children. My children are, well, especially my oldest daughter is extremely physically disabled, and we're living in a two-story house.
0: Tell me a little bit about the generic condition that your daughter has, that has a result of her being in a wheelchair and yet you're living in a two-storey house, and the practical challenge is, like, for your daughter even to go to the bathroom.
1: Oh, it's, a, it's a nightmare. Um, so, two of our children have a thing, so Michaela and and our, our other child, um, so two of the four children have a condition called classical outer damlock syndrome. So that basically means their collagen gene is defective. So as they get older, um, the wear and tear on the body, um, their bones start to come apart their joints start to come apart. Um, some people have varying degrees because there's there's different subtypes of this disease, but some people are very profoundly affected. Um, it also affects the, the organs, um, the tissue, like their skin would, would tear easily and it, it takes longer to heal. Um, and they, they would suffer daily dislocations. Like Michaela especially would suffer Michaela could suffer up to six dislocations a day easily.
0: Different joints. So it's it's yeah. a condition. Obviously, it's it's a condition that takes an awful lot of managing, takes an awful lot of care. And
1: yeah, y- you. A team
0: and you have this challenge now of you know living with your parents and the strain that, that is probably putting on on all the, the extended family unit, if I can if I can describe it that way. Yeah. Um, being in the situation where, where you're 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 looking for housing and the challenges that that goes with that. How frustrating is it for you? How mentally draining is it?
1: I, I I just said to Charlie McConnell, um I was speaking to him um, la- last week or over the weekend last week, I want to say, and and I did say to him, I said, you know, I'm just keeping my head above water at this stage. I said, do you understand that my my daughter has just been added, uh, my older daughter has just been haven't had an added diagnosis of a neuromuscular disease, and that in itself, on top of her EDS. It's just, I said, you know, we're going now to Dublin for more tests. We have to go to London for tests because some of the tests we need aren't provided here in Ireland. Um, I said, so and um, we have to not only go to London for some of these scans that aren't provided here in Ireland, we have to pay for them ourselves. And of course, like people say, well, sure, child, of course, but I mean, I'm talking maybe 1600 2000 £3,000 pounds for these tests. And on top of that, you're trying to get a deposit together to get a house and on top of that you're trying to find a house because I explained to them if anybody who has a house as adapted for the needs of Michaela is living in it okay if somebody has adapted their house mm-hmm. for a, such a physically disabled person for a wet room for all of these things they're living in it yeah they're, and they're no not going Lord to leave. the house
0: impossible okay. as you mentioned to find a house now I know the local authority told you they did not have property available they said to keep a lookout on the, on the private markets and that you may qualify under HAP but the private rental market at present and again to find a particular property with it's the it, it, it's not it's simply not out there sure it's not
1: well I said to them um, I looked at a house that had a bedroom downstairs the bathroom facilities were upstairs and um, so, but I just thought, at least if I can get a bed in downstairs, because I'm carrying this child. She's 17 years of age. She weighs 77 kg. She's five foot eight, and I'm I'm carrying her up 14 stairs every day, and I'm carrying her back down them. I have to carry her out the front steps of the house and back in, and just the inhumane dignity for her. Never mind the physical strain that is putting on her body and mine. But I said to them, you know, when I went to look at this house. The house went up and within 24 hours it had over a thousand people looking at it. Sure, that means maybe a couple of hundred applied for it. The landlord's not going to apply to a couple of hundred people. He's probably going to take maybe the first 20 if we're lucky. Okay. You know what I mean? And, yeah. And it's just not going to happen. And and to think that, you know, like at this stage now, you know, it's, it's too much to lift run out of the bath. So they're saying... You know, you can have, we'll, we'll get you a bath board. Not basically mean taking her into the bathroom, sitting her on the bath board, and and washed her down with a shower hose. I mean, where's the dignity in that? Where mm. uh,
0: uh, is again, dignity in that? Yeah, completely feel so sorry for you and for your daughter. You mentioned him. How you met with, with, with Minister McConnellogue? You also met, I believe, with the Minister for Housing recently.
1: I did. Yes, I met him yesterday.
0: How did that meeting go?
1: He came in. He met him. Um, he was very. It was very pleasant, um, basically because I had said to Minister McConnell about a letter that we had received, and it was not me to do. It was a very generic letter. It lacked all empathy. But uh, Minister O'Brien has assured us that he did not know of any correspondence from me. He spoke with Michele yesterday, and myself and my other children. He said, I was not aware of any correspondence from your family at all. This letter should never have been sent out. Um, so he had said to us that he was going to engage Um, with the council and that Minister McConnell and him would be engaging together with the council and that this problem would be resolved. He said something, he said the the capital is there and the problem will be resolved.
0: Did he offer any timelines or what solutions he was going to come up with?
1: I said, you know, what time are we looking at here? and, And he said, this is going to be resolved, I assure you. And I said, right, I said, because I'm hearing that this could take years I said, years now. And he said, no, 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 it's not going to take that. And I said to him, okay. Um, so, but I don't have a definitive timeline. But um, it would, to be honest with you, and I'm not being smart, it needs to be pretty soon. <laughs> because I, my other child special needs she has EDS, but she, she's also quite far into the autism spectrum. And the stress on, on her, you know, is exacerbating. The challenges that naturally go along with autism, you know, we're in an overcrowded situation as well. And, you know, anybody who knows children who are autistic um, and quite far into the spectrum, you know, she, she needs that bit of space where she can, where she can have that. I mean, I'm not asking for a mansion here. She just needs a space where she can go to, to have that quiet time, to have that space. Yeah, to the of it is. And, it's it's, and it's, it's like so that.
0: it's so important for for children, um, you know, to have that familiarity, to have their own space, and I'm just thinking, Emma, listening to to your plight and, and your story here, you know, it shows with all the construction of houses, even going back as far as the boom times, and when it comes to providing accommodation, suitable accommodation for families such as yours that have these requirements these needs hasn't the whole system fallen down so badly and that there's been such a, a lack of provision of suitable housing maybe for people with these requirements over a long number of years again it's more evidence of how the, the housing system is so badly broken in this country You know I, I
1: when, when this came out. Um, because at, at the start you try not to, to make a big deal. You do. You try just to get on with it. You know, keep your head down, get on with it. It'll sort itself out. That and the fact that I have so much else going on, you're just kind of hoping it will sort itself out. Because you know, liaising with different hospital staff and different medical teams and what have you. There's only so much you can process. And um, so you're kind of sitting there thinking, Oh, I hope, I hope yourself sorts itself out. And then eventually, when you know, you, you take a decision that you have to speak out and speak up about this and then people start contacting you and they start telling you their stories, you just think to yourself, like, oh, my God, like, when we talk to people, like, they're saying maybe they're 15 years on the waiting list and, and, and they know that maybe they have children with no needs or things like that, but they're, they're 15 years on the waiting list and they just feel like it's just never-ending, that their children have probably been growing up and moved out before they've ever had a permanent home. And it's like... And my heart goes out to them and... and And like I said to them, you know, of course you can talk to me. Um, Absolutely, I mean, I have to. I'll advocate for anybody, me. (laughs) But of course, I have to advocate for my family first, because we are in a dire situation. And I know that probably sounds terrible, but I have to advocate for my family. But that doesn't mean that I can't say what's going on with somebody else is terrible. And and I think in a way you're kind of unaware of what because people are trying to just put their heads down and get on with it. Um. So maybe you're not aware of even what you know. People that you think you know are going through. Like some people that I thought, oh sure, they're they're doing they're doing great, and then they come and they tell you actually now that you've said something, I have to tell you I'm not doing great. I
0: and was just like, going Hi. to ask you, Emma. I'm, 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 you know, the listeners here were getting so many messages, and people are so. Sorry that you're going through what you're going through. The, the volume of support is out there. I can hear the character. I, I know the determination that's there in your voice, and I can also probably maybe feel the pain in your voice as well. And can I ask you a very simple question? How do you keep going? Is there maybe this maybe some hope there now after the meeting with the housing minister Tara O'Brien, and you're hoping maybe there might be some going. solutions? How do you keep going? Our disability key
1: worker asked me that one day, and I'm getting a bit emotional now because she did ask me that one day. She said. Emma, how are you? Who's holding you up? How are you? How are you going on here? What, what, I mean, how are you doing this? And I said, because I don't have any other choice. These are my kids, and I was like, you know what? And I, and I, I look at Michaela and her body has just been ravaged by this disease. She's lost so much. And as long as there's any fibre of fight left in me, they're getting it all the way. You know, this isn't about me. This isn't about me having anything. I mean, if, if, I, if it were just me and my own, if I had to sleep in my car, I would. Do you know what I mean? But I've seen how much she's lost. And I am determined. Like I, a doctor said to us one day, you know, she asked the doctor about her lifespan. You know, she said, is this is going to affect my lifespan, you know, the two conditions together or things like that. And if it is, you know... What's the situation there, you know? I think she was round about trying to ask my time frame. And he said, don't, don't go down that road because I can't answer it for a start. And secondly, my advice to you would be don't, don't look at the past. Don't plan for the future. Just live in the now and enjoy the now." Um, and a separate doctor had said to me, you know, Emma, strive for quality of life over quantity, whatever that even means. And I said, okay. And I suppose that kind of stuck with me and I kind of thought, you know what? I can't take this disease from her. I, I would take it for her in a heartbeat. I can't, there's no cure for it. I can't I can't find a cure anywhere. I've looked all over the world and I, there's nothing. There's just what they call um, management of the disease. You know, treat the symptoms as they come. And I suppose I'm just trying to do what I can for her. If I can't cure her, and and that sounds kind of, I suppose, melodramatic. But if I can't find somebody like, that can no, cure no, no, it, find it's, a treatment.
0: What you're saying, it, it's it's the parental instinct in you that you want to take this pain away. You would do anything, but you can't. But yet you're trying to make your daughter's, your family's life the best to the best I possible standard that you can give them. To
1: go into her room at night. I mean, I suppose you know I carry her up the stairs, and I and I lift her, and her shoulder comes apart, and you and you hear it, and her elbow comes apart, then. When you hear her trying to be brave, she is. You know, she, she tries not to... She doesn't want to make you feel bad about it because she knows there's no other option. But all the while, I'm, I'm sick to my stomach that I can... that this has happened to her and I'm the one lifting her. But I have no option but to lift her. And I'm just... I just want sometime in the near future, hopefully, that she'll be able to go into the bedroom she be able to transition from her wheelchair to her bed, from her wheelchair to her shower to her bed, and not be dreading a lot of having to get ready to go to her bedroom because she knows she's going to be in pain. I mean, she's in pain anyway. The pain specialist told us that, he said. told him that Michaela, he's not he's now since gone to Australia, but he was a brilliant pain specialist, he said. have told that Michaela will always have the base level of pain. At the moment, she's probably at a seven or eight out of ten. But the best we can hope for with this disease is a four or five. She will never be pain-free. So I'm just trying to limit the pain for her.
0: All I can say, Emma, is the amount of of calls, comments that we're getting in here. People are supporting you so much, hoping that there's a a good resolution in all of this, or the best possible resolution that you can hope to achieve. I have to say, Emma, all I can do myself is wish you the very best of luck. You've been remarkably brave. And thank you so much for joining us on the show this morning. Thank you, bye-bye. Thank you very much indeed. That's Emma. She brilliantly told what she's going through, what her family is going through. And you know, when you hear a story like that and you break down the statistics of the, the housing crisis, the accommodation crisis, and we think we have problems, and you hear what that particular lady and her family are going through, It sums up an awful lot and it probably shows maybe some of the the problems that there is with suitable accommodation for families with special need children and the lack of that accommodation. That's probably something that there needs to be a long, hard look taken at.